You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 380. You're listening to The Lively Show. This podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to today's show. Thank you guys so much as always for listening. Before we go into our Beauty of Life episode with Jennifer, I just want to say congratulations to all of the 40 IVFT graduates who are graduating this Friday from IVFT, this most recent round. We are so excited for you to be a part of our community and also to help the world going forward as you're certified. In celebration and as an expression of this celebration and certification, the IVFT graduates that are just graduating now are offering two special types of sessions that you can actually book to sign and do with them directly if you're curious. There are two types. One is the beanbag release sessions and the other type is the strengthen gym or inner voice gym exercises. They're both 44 minutes and they both cost $88. My personal recommendation, just when I like underline asterisk and bold, is the beanbag release sessions. If you are new to the community or if you've been in the community but you're not sure about how to release beanbags or if you're releasing your emotional beanbags in the most effective way possible, please sign up if your intuition feels it's a fit to do one of these 44-minute $88 sessions with the recent graduates. It is so powerful. It is my number one recommendation in terms of finding out if you're doing the beanbag releasing effectively. Working with someone one-on-one, I always like to say, is the equivalent of taking a personal surf lesson with a one-on-one instructor. It is so helpful to have somebody breathing with you, guiding you, coaching you, and holding your hand, metaphorically speaking, you'll be on Zoom every step of the way. So, so, so helpful. I can't recommend that enough, but of course, only if your intuition feels it's a fit. If you want to join that or the strengthen gym sessions, which is kind of like a personal trainer session, different exercises to help you strengthen your inner voice and get stronger in that area of your life. So it's not specifically beanbag related, but just how to hear your inner voice in a deeper, stronger way. Those are over at JessLively.com slash IV sessions. So you're welcome to join and put your name in there and request to be contacted by one of the facilitators once they've graduated, and then they will process the payment with you and they will schedule it with you. It's totally you know, kind of we're offering this to you as our community for the new graduates to pair up and work with you if you are interested in wanting to do that. So yeah, I just want to thank you guys so much as graduates for taking the course and enjoying it. It's been such a joy and pleasure to work with you guys in all different parts of the world and time zones for myself at least. And we have so many people from different languages as well. So And also, just by the way, in case you didn't know, we have facilitators from all of the rounds available to work with you as well over at JessLively.com slash findafacilitator. But funny enough, as I say, JessLively.com slash, that is changing shortly. Guys, it is really flowing together in the most beautiful way. We have a brand new website, a brand new community space and possibly a little party to go with it all coming up for you in the next coming week. So stay tuned for all of those good details. But I am just amazed and just so, so, so thankful to see the beauty of the new website and the team to put it together all coming together. It has been so magical. I just even just now, right before recording this, just saw the video that Laura Coleman for our photographer for the photo shoot sent over. And I'm just like, 
living in a bubble of love right now and appreciation for how beautiful what is being created truly is. So I'm so excited to share this with you. It is so as far as my work and world of, you know, career, I've been doing a lot of things on the internet since I was basically graduated college in 07 and been blogging since 09, podcasting since 14. 2023, who knew? But this is really, really, really next level for me. I'm so excited and honored to be sharing what we are creating with you so very shortly. So stay tuned for all of that. And until that all comes out, let's go to the show with Jennifer. Welcome back, Jennifer. Oh, thank you very much. Happy to be here. I know. You're just a regular now. You went from being nervous in the beginning to like, <laughs> I got some stuff. Like, yeah. how does it feel being on the co- How at this point, where are we at? Like episode three or four, yeah. session three or four. How is it feeling so far? If you just look back from where you've been to where you are now. Well, I mean, I was definitely more nervous, you know, the first couple of times. I mean, I still get a little bit nervous, you know, like when I sit down and get my computer up and, um, you know, I still do get a little bit nervous, but it's, I mean, I, I know it'll go away. So that's about the only difference, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So when we last left you, we'll we'll go into what's been happening the last two weeks, but as we last left you, it was about your child being an only child and the inner voicing with his soul to find out about why he's an only child, why that's important, why that's aligned for both of you and all of that. So how has that felt just that direction and understanding in the last two weeks? Well, I mean, I did make use of that um, a little bit. It's really weird. I mean, the last two weeks, um, my son has really uh, kind of, I don't know what's going on. He seems more scared than ever, um, which is weird, you know, because we were just talking about him. And he, for some reason, he, you know, he's scared of the dark, um, which I guess is kind of a normal thing. But you know, I feel like the it's gone pretty extreme. Um, he doesn't want to be in his room by himself. He doesn't want to go down the hallway by himself. Um, we have a pretty small house, so it's not like it's, you know, a long, dark hallway or anything. And um, so we've just been trying to kind of get to the bottom of that. Like, what happened? You know, because he wasn't like this, and then he was, like, overnight. Um, After our session? No, I mean, I would say there was hints of it before, because I'd say it's been, we're probably on our third week of this. Um, But I'd say, yeah, the week after our session was probably the hardest because it was like the second week. So it's like, oh, this isn't just going away. Um, Because my first thought usually when stuff like this happens is, oh, it'll go away, you know, because... He does stuff and then he doesn't, you know, he's scared of something and then he's not. Um, so, but, you know, it's kind of, he started to wake up every night um, scared or with some other problem, you know, sometimes multiple times a night. And, you know, I just, I thought, yeah, I, I didn't know. I, so I did try to do um, like an inner voice session, I guess, with myself. Um, Brilliant. Tr- Good yeah, job on that. To- <laughs> that was my first question. Did you try it on your own? How'd yeah. it go? Um, I, I guess, I mean, I feel like it went okay. Um, you know, my mind, it was really hard for it to stop 
giving its two cents, I guess. Um, you know, of course, my inner voice is never super worried about anything. Um, so it wasn't. But, you know, I did try also to, you know, kind of connect to his. Um, Great job. How'd that it go? pretty much just, I feel like I connected, you know, again, it's like I... I get nervous about saying, yes, I'm talking to his inner voice. Um, <laughs> but the one thing I can remember, you know, like I wrote stuff down, but one thing I can remember is like it telling me um, to pretty much stop, stop trying to control him and support him. Like just focus on supporting him, but not trying to control what he does um, was kind of this like difference. If that's not enlightened, I don't know <laughs> what is, right? Because these are sovereign little beings. Just because they're in a young robot, just because they're in the newest iPhone, <laughs> doesn't mean that the soul is not equally uh, grand on the other side. And so being in support to these grand souls coming through little new iPhones <laughs> is a great gift that you get to experience, but the human perception has been so limited over time that it thinks that, you know, he is not your pet or your creation or your responsibility even. Like he is, obviously you're there to support him as he's learning how to grow and get bigger as like a little being to a bigger being. But this is very much aligned with a lot of other mother inner voice facilitators and clients I've worked with, they say very, very, very similar things from their inner voice. I remember one Nahama who's got four children. Wonderful. She's actually got mm -hmm. an episode here on the show. She's an IVFT facilitator as well. She's the one with the painless birth uh, where she connected to her fourth child before the birthing mm -hmm. occurred. And she had that painless birth compared to the other three, which were not <laughs> a painless birth. Um, that one was. And I remember, I think it was her inner voice said, it's the inner voice's job to parent the child. The mind of her as the mother doesn't have to. And of course, that sounds like mm. the paradox of all paradoxes for a mind hearing that. How do I do that? How do I just let my inner voice parent the child? But I remember once, and I'll repeat the story because I think she might have shared that in the episode and I loved it. She said she was inner voicing with one of her facilitator friends one day and the Wi-Fi connection went out. And as she was going downstairs, she was upstairs doing this, the little session they were doing with each other online. And as she was going to fix the Wi-Fi, she walked by the youngest child's bedroom or one of the little one's bedrooms and the baby was awake. And she wouldn't have expected the baby to be awake at that point in time based on their napping schedule. And it was as if to show her, she said, the lesson she took from that is like, see, when you need to parent, <laughs> we will guide you to parent. Like we will, we will make this happen for you. You don't have to be so mentally controlling about it. It will, you will flow basically, you know, she's flowing to fix the Wi-Fi, but as she did that, she realized the baby was awake. So she didn't have to mentally predict that, know that, worry about that, control that. The flow of her life allowed for that to occur and her to be able to be in support to her child. So it's that support that you got as well. Do you want to go deeper? Is that how you'd like to spend our time today is going deeper into how do you support your little one? Um, yeah, that could be, could be part of it. Um, <laughs> You'd be like, but wait, there's more. What, what more, where else can we help you? Um, well, I guess the other piece and it almost, I mean, kind of ties in, um, you know, as whenever stuff like this happens, 
um, you know, where my son is maybe behaving in a certain way or things aren't going super smooth. Um, my feels like my first, my mind, the first place it goes is not even like, oh, you know, it's not even that, uh, I'm, I've got to do something different or I've got to figure this out or I'm failing or whatever the, that those do come later. But the first thing I go to now is like, is my husband upset with this? Is he upset with me? Um, you know, what is he thinking? And, and, and it just, it can really stress me out. Well, let's get rid of that because that is very stressful. Yeah. And if that's your first response, everything's going to yeah. be magnified. And if there's a worry, let's say, am I a bad mom? And is he judging me as a mother? Is that kind of a, a storyline? Maybe. Yeah. It's just like, because, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it, essentially. Yeah, it's okay. It's just a story, you know. Jennifer. It's not true. It's just a story. But let's just say the story, right? Okay. Am I a bad mom? Is he thinking I'm incapable of this? Am I doing a bad job? Is he judging me? Okay. But when you have that feeling, gravity, law of attraction responds to it, right? So your judgment's clouded from that get-go. <laughs> so like how you're going to parent with that story will support that belief system and that fear. Not that you want it, of course, but as you do that, then you probably, I'm guessing, this is just the, the physics of the mind, right? Okay, this isn't in plus law of attraction thrown in there, okay? So this isn't me predicting you, Jennifer, personally. This is just me predicting how minds work. Okay, so story mm-hmm. goes, child acts out. Then the mind says, am I a bad mom? Is he judging me? Oh gosh, I better control this. I better do something to make this stop. How do I make this stop? How do I control my son so that this stops so that I feel like I'm a capable parent and my husband sees me as that? But it kind of all falls apart in that directional storyline to actually create more control and more getting in the way of the natural flow of the beauty of life if that makes sense. So it's actually getting, this is classic to, let's say you had weight issues, which isn't seeming to be like a a struggle that you have, but in the mind, when the mind thinks, oh gosh, this is really getting out of hand. I need to do something to control this. And then it starts going into a bunch of crash diets and crazy plans and judging and shaming and weighing and all that stuff. It just makes the situation worse. It doesn't know how to flow with the natural ebbs and flows and tides of this reality the way that your consciousness and your wisdom that you're getting through your inner voice can guide you. You know, it doesn't know how to steer the ship effectively. So I just see like, a, you know, one of those Nina Pinta Santa Maria kind of ships. I see like the captain of the sail ship, like totally rolling that steering wheel, like with the big wooden pegs on it, just back and forth and back and forth. And it's like, oh my God, everyone's getting seasick on the ship. The people are jumping ship because this is like a nightmare. We've got the waves of the ocean, first of all. And then we've got this captain that's crazy at the helm over directing the actual ship. I used to do this actually as a coxswain on the men's crew team. I was steering the boat for the six rowers that were rowing the ship. And Mm -hmm. I was overthinking it myself. So I can really relate to what I'm sharing with you personally. And I would just overcorrect. And it takes time for micro adjustments to steer into bigger directional changes. But the smaller shifts are often the most effective. The over course correcting creates bigger 
variance already in the varying waves, right? He's already going through this. And then you adding on, this is not judging you. This is just explaining there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> so does this make sense? Like you could have done this about money. You yeah. could have done this about body. You could have done this in any area the mind has this kind of beanbag and story around. And then it goes into control mode and it goes into how do I do damage control and how do I make this perfect, let's say perfect control or damage control. And it's not about you actually being a bad mom at all. I was saying this to IVFT grads last night, just reminding them for their clients and themselves that whatever your mind is most worried about and struggles with the most isn't actually a problem in your life. It's the mind has the most beanbags and belief systems in stories still attached to that area of your life. And as a result, it's manifesting to those beanbags and those stories and belief systems, not very effectively, right? Because they're usually beanbags, not the most pleasant emotions to be attracting to. And so they think their mind, because it can't release the beanbags, You've learned that, right? You know, that your your ear doesn't smell. <laughs> you know yeah. that the mind can't do that. So when it doesn't know how to release effectively with the awareness that you have available to you, which you are, then it's like really just trying to control because it can't actually do the effective thing. The ear can't smell. So it's trying to do whatever it can to smell, but it's not the right tool and it's not the ear's fault. It never was the right place for the right thing. So yeah. let's go in and let's get out that storyline and that beanbag around the husband because that's step one to getting clarity around parenting is not having that story lingering to start with. Yeah. Okay, so let's bring that up. Okay, can you think of in the last two weeks a scenario where that beanbag showed up for you, the fear of the husband basically? Not that you were afraid of him, but you're afraid of his perception of the situation? Yeah. Okay, where do you feel it? You're getting great at this. Where is the feeling? So just go start at home base. Go down in your chest and your belly. Start there and then allow that awareness to scan. It'll know right where to go. Where is the heaviness? Go back to that point in time. It's still active. That little you two weeks ago or one week or two days ago is still holding on to this feeling. So go back to her. Where is she feeling it? when you scan the body? It's like kind of my abdomen. Like okay, great. What's the feeling there? It's the frequency. Jittery, afraid, nervous. Yeah, like, I guess nervous. Okay. And what's the size of the nervous and the abdomen? Only your awareness could do this part. So now you have to really switch modes out of story mode into awareness mode, into the actual nose that can smell it, <laughs> can feel it. Like, um, it's kind of like long, like a, I guess like a cucumber, like. Of nervousness. Okay. Go into your cucumber of nervousness. Now feel it, feel it for her. Okay. No, but here's the thing, you know, you know, the, you know, the deal go into the cucumber in the shape and the feeling. Okay. So breathe into it. You know, this, you're already shocked before. Now, you know, it actually does something. (laughs) So go for it. Feel it, feel it for her. It's okay to feel nervous. It's okay to feel the cucumber of nerves. It's totally okay. 
it's okay. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with you for feeling it. It's just a color in the emotional crayon box, a note on the emotional piano. It's okay to feel this. Everybody's felt this feeling before. Everybody has this color in their crayon box as well. Everybody has it in their piano keys. It's just a human experience. It's just an emotion. It's okay. It's okay to feel nervous. Good job. Eventually, you'll be able to help your son to feel nervous and release as well. So you might as well go for it first. It's okay to feel it. Just like it's okay when he feels nervous, it's okay for you to feel nervous. I feel like I lost it. Okay, go for it. Go back to that scene. Go back to that scenario where you okay. really felt it churned up. It Now, let's find out. Did it dissolve away that quickly or did it just disappear from your awareness and we can get it back? Because we want to go for whatever is available to us to get out, okay? So we don't want to yeah. hold back. Let's see. Go back to the scenario. Does it hit differently now or is it still, even if it's let's 30%? Go back to the nervousness. Okay, I'm going to say it. Husband's there. He's watching you, whatever the, whatever the situation was, you know? Okay, he's there. You're thinking about him, what's coming up. Or maybe it's a different shape or a different location or a different feeling. Yeah, I do feel like it. Different? It's still there, but it feels different. Okay. Is it the same feeling in a different shape or a different feeling in the same area? Like a different feeling an area okay I guess. okay Almost. what is this one I I just... it's like in my chest okay and what's the frequency in the chest still nervous or different oh, like it's like um it's like a it's like almost like a cross between like a sadness and frustration Okay. Feel that. I'm tired of it. Yeah. Go into the exhaustion, the sadness, the frustration. How big is it in the chest? Cucumber it's or like different? A, like a big plate, like a okay. dinner plate. Okay. Go for it. You don't need to hold on to this. Feel it. Feel it in awareness. It's okay. It's okay. Of course you feel this. Have you felt this feeling before? I'm sure this is a familiar feeling. Yeah. 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 It's okay. Feel it. Okay. Whatever he's thinking or not thinking, you don't need to have this dinner plate in you. <laughs> so let's get this out. Of course, you don't want to have this feeling, but just feel it in the awareness of where it is. This is where it actually transmutes back to pure awareness. Of course, it would be there. Of course, it would. We're not making it wrong. We just want to let it out. This is when they say, let release, let go. It just feel it, it dissolves away. But it needs to be in that awareness mode to transmute. The brilliant thing is that you can actually sense it. If it was still uh, a shadow, like a blind spot, you wouldn't even be able to feel it as a plate. This is like your first step to freedom from it is being able to see that it's not you, that it's not true. It's just a dinner plate of fear and worry and anxiety in your chest. It's not you. It's the dinner plate. Does that make sense as you're feeling this? Mm -hmm. It isn't you. It's just the dinner plate feeling in your chest. 
So that feeling that used to feel so true to you was a true feeling, but it, when the mind is attached to it, it thinks it is that feeling of nervousness. The mind will say, I am nervous. You are not nervous. You're experiencing a dinner plate of nerves in your chest, but you as an identity or as a, you know, awareness, especially is certainly just witnessing nerves. And as you witness it from the shape that it is, it dissolves back to what you are, which is awareness. It's beautiful. So effective. The beauty of life is that we can have all these big experiences and we're not tied to them anymore. (laughs) We can transmute them into wisdom. You'll have total compassion for anyone else that ever feels this feeling forevermore in your life because you've released this one. You'll remember it without the pain. You'll remember it from the experience with, with wisdom instead of empathy. How is it now, the chest? It's definitely smaller. It's like, just like a little chip. Okay, go for the chip. Be courageous. Go for it. You know, but just like your son, I want to help you be courageous. Go for it. Just feel it. Bring it on. It's just a chip. Feel it for yourself, you know? Liberation is just through the feeling in the location. Feeling in the location is your freedom. We're not adding to the story, we're dissolving the story. Because the story only feels valid when the feeling's present. After the feeling's gone, the story shifts. Okay. Okay. All right, let's scan for husband plus parenting. (laughs) Go. (laughs) What what comes up now? Any other lumps or bumps? Any other emotional bumpiness? Like, go for it. Like, think about it. Like, go for what you can see if there is anything. Not at the moment. Okay. Okay, so go to the scenario that was that was triggering this week so that you saw okay. that that was up for you. Does it feel different now that you've released those two beanbags? And you look back on it. I think so. How, is, how does it feel different? It's like, um, like blunted, I guess. It's like... And I can still think of the time, but right now, yeah, there's no, I'm not getting upset. Yeah. You pop the blister. So the blister was there and all the pus and everything. You just breathe through that. And now the blister can heal back to smooth skin. Yeah. It's like, okay, that happened. We're not negating that the blister existed. Does that make sense? We're not saying yeah. it never happened. We're saying we're healing it. <laughs> so that we're not still in the pain and the trauma of it. We're not negating experiences and saying that they never happened. We're letting go of the emotion that got trapped from them so we can move past that experience in wisdom, not being stuck in like purgatory <laughs> holding on to that blister. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if he yelled at your son, it doesn't make him yelling at your son the right thing. It just means that the blister you had about the fact that he yelled at your son doesn't need to stay there. 
And eventually for the yeah. son, if there becomes a blister because he got yelled at, he'll later in his own wisdom at some point in some lifetime also release the blister of the fact that dad yelled at him. Yeah. It won't make it right that dad yelled at him, but it won't make it wrong. It'll just be a thing that happened and it's unpleasant and obviously we don't really want it. But the only reason anyone, let's just say in this example, you know, the yelling thing, the only reason anyone yells like that is when they have a beanbag. <laughs> so he had a big, if that would have been the case, he would have had to have a very big blister that he projected from his mind at someone else. So hurting people hurt people. Healed people don't hurt people. They have no reason to. There's no beanbag provoking yeah. it out of them onto someone else. And not, no one's actually provoking. It's just that the mind of the person with the beanbag that's getting poked is reacting without enough level of awareness to realize they have a choice to release the feeling they're feeling. They think they need to project and protect. That's the mind's modus operandi, especially when it's in a very low level of light or consciousness. It will project at others to control its environment to feel better. Everybody else better behave the way I need them to behave so I can feel okay. Because if they do something that touches this beanbag, I feel terrible. So I'll make them feel terrible so that they behave so I don't have to feel bad. Isn't that crazy? That mm -hmm. might not even be relevant to your husband. That could be relevant for people listening to their parents and how they were parented when they were young, you know? It's, and even that, you can yeah. beanbag and get past and go, oh my gosh, well, with greater understanding, you go, oh my God, that's how much pain they must have been in themselves to react that dramatically at me, this little me that didn't really mean to do anything wrong in the first place. Wow, what a level of trauma that was in them. It changes the whole game once the beanbag's out of you, the understanding and the wisdom and the clarity and the compassion just... It doesn't ever make something like, you know, anger okay in the sense that like anger is okay, by the way. Anger is okay completely. It's just an emotion, just like the nerves you just released. But projecting anger is not a very pleasant experience for others, right? So when it's getting no. launched at someone else, that doesn't feel good to the other person because that's not the solution to the anger in the first place. Just like the nerves, it's not the solution mm -hmm. to control because of the nerves. So anger might yell or hit or punch or do something crazy like that. The nerves might try to over control or overthink something to compensate for that feeling. I better control so I don't feel nervous. That might be the way the mind would take nerves and maybe was happening for you. But then once the nerves are gone and the anger's gone, there's no more need to project or control. You know, like right after this, you know, little mini session, I, you know, it's kind of like that first time where it's like, I don't really necessarily feel better, better, but it's like, I don't feel it anymore. Or I don't feel that emotion. But then you kind of start talking about, you know, what he could be feeling. And it was almost like a, you know, like a curtain had been drawn back and I could see through, you know, into, you know, yeah, what he might be feeling, you know, my husband, you know, because his thing isn't like yelling or as far as my son goes, um, you know, he mostly just, if anything, like say something happens in public, you know he mostly just shuts down. He just doesn't do anything. You know, it's like he's not there. Um, and, and I, you know, I kind of, I project a lot about what he might be feeling towards me, you know, like, oh, she can't handle this. This is so frustrating that he's doing this. She's, you know, um, but, 
I think my beanbag makes it to where or made it to where I couldn't see through to what he could possibly be feeling. And just now, you know, after this little beanbag was done, I, for the first time, I just kind of thought instead of him maybe being angry and that's why he's being so quiet is he doesn't know what to do. Hmm. Um, Does that feel more true now that you got the beanbag out of the way? Yeah. You know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't know what to do and, and he's not trying to make me do something different. It's that he doesn't know how to help me. How does that feel? What a turnaround, Jennifer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, that just kind of popped into my head, you know, but I really couldn't see that. Inner voice, is it true? Inner voice, is that true? What she's seeing and feeling right now? Yes. Yeah, there you go. Once the bean bag was gone, Jennifer, the truth was underneath the bean bag. Okay. That wisdom and that truth and that understanding was in your inner voice the whole time, right? But the bean bag was in the way. So your mind was feeling the bean bag. And now that the bean bag's gone, the mind can see the truth underneath from your inner voice and actually get it, not being clouded by the bean bag. Yeah. How great well, is that? I, he just doesn't know what to do. He doesn't even know what to do. And no, I'm I'm a bit, I guess, upset with myself. <laughs> okay, where's that feedback? <laughs> where's the fe- where's the upsetness at yourself? It's okay to have that. Where is it? It's okay. Let's get it out. You're just clearing house. You're just clearing it so your house can function way more smoothly. Everybody gets to have their reactions. Your son's feeling, you know, a little nervous and he came to you to help build his courage. That's what it said last time, right? We've got your husband who doesn't know what to do with these emotions in his son or himself. (laughs) And then we've got you in the middle trying to be everything to everyone, including yourself. Where's this one for you? It's like in my throat. Go for it. Get it out. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. You deserve to feel this because feeling is releasing it. It's okay. It's okay. You are not the only mother that's judging herself. There could be hundreds of mothers feeling their own judgment of themselves right now, right along with you as they're listening. Releasing their own beanbag. And maybe for them, it's not in their throat. It's in their belly. Or maybe it's in their chest or their shoulder. It's okay. No mother needs to hold on to this feeling. You're just a human being with a mind and awareness. You're not here to perfect your children. They're not even asking for that. Usually they rebel against that because they came to create their own reality. They came just like you did. You didn't want your parents telling you what to do. How does it feel? Less judgy on yourself now? Yeah. Yeah. Less judgy on everyone, right? Your husband's not doing anything wrong. You certainly weren't doing anything wrong. Yeah. No, it does feel a lot lot more peaceful. Now, this is where we want to start with, right? This is like, (laughs) I just saw, I love beauty stuff now. So like, I just saw clarifying shampoo, right? There's a lot of buildup on the hair. (laughs) So we just needed to clear out the the buildup on the scalp and in the products that have been put on for years of time. We needed a good clarifying shampoo just to get clear on all of that. Because if that stuff was still in the mix, when we went to look at your child and 
parenting with his little nerves, it would be distorted, right? It would be adding more product on top of a lot of product buildup. It wouldn't be coming from a clean and clear baseline. So now when we add moisture, protein, or conditioner to your curly hair, I'm using curly hair stuff right now in my reference, but now we can actually help the hair improve. We've got rid of the old buildup. We've got a blank slate. So now we can see with more ease and clarity and understanding and much easier to implement what your inner voice is saying because these old beanbags aren't contradicting what your inner voice is saying. Yeah. No, I, that's how it's been feeling. Okay. I've got a great one, Jennifer. Go ask your inner voice this. Okay. Inner voice. How can I support my husband who doesn't have a clue of what to do when he's freaking out in public? Allow. Allow allow him to shut down? Indeed. Okay. All right. How can I support my son when he's freaking out in public? Solid ground. Okay. What does solid ground look like for Jennifer? Show her what solid ground looks like in a tantrum. Calm. Love without anger or conditions. Oh, beautiful. Jennifer, it's funny. As you're doing this, I hear a siren. I don't know if it's getting picked up on the audio, but I just saw like an EMS worker in my mind's eye. Mm -hmm. So imagine an EMS worker, but they've got a person, they're obviously off to go help and support in some way. Let's say the person had a heart attack on the street. I actually just saw that recently. A man was on the street, on the ground, people were helping him. And -hmm. I'm sure they had EMS come to support. So the EMS worker is getting there. Let's say it was a car accident. A boy got hit on, or a teenager, whoever, got hit on a bicycle. So obviously the person that's the bicyclist is like in extreme pain is like the tantrum of your son, right? So he's crying and he's screaming because he's hurt, right? Mm -hmm. The EMS workers, and then there's other people around the situation, but they're not reacting. They're kind of shut down because they don't know this person, but they feel like they need to be a witness or they need to be present for the situation, but they don't know what to do with the guy that's leg is bleeding and it's really severely injured on the ground. So they're shut down, (laughs) but they're there. (laughs) So we've got this like onlooker who doesn't Mm -hmm. know what to do and isn't capable of EMS support, but wants to be there because of one reason or another, there's a feeling to be there, even though they don't know what to do. And you're kind of the EMS worker coming to the scenario to support the son, but not to control him or feel bad or worry about what the people next to him standing there idly looking on are thinking. Mm -hmm. It's there to stay calm and support the person that needs help. Does that feeling, it's just the vibe basically of the EMS. The EMS person's not feeling like they're a bad EMS person because the person got hit on the bike and they're not feeling judged by the people that are standing on the street all around them. They're just doing their job. They're just there to be in support and they're calm, and they're clear, Mm -hmm. and they're giving the support that's needed. Yeah, and it's like something else I felt, you know, kind of while you were saying that is they can. Like, I can help him. Yeah, 
Oh, did you not even feel before like you could help him? Well, I, it was like a, uh, gosh, like, I guess just like you said, like the beanbags, just, it's like underneath it all. I think my first instinct, um, you know, like I'm thinking now of a different situation. We were in Colorado and my son is super sensitive to pain <laughs> and he fell and he scraped himself and he just, you know, lost it. And, you know, Damon shut down and I had to carry him, you know, try to hike back because we were on a hike and, and he didn't, you know, he felt like he couldn't walk. And, you know, my first instinct was to just sit with him and then carry him. And that's what I did. But are all these thoughts like, oh, you probably shouldn't be doing this. Damon, probably, he's probably disapproving of you, not just telling him to like, you know, suck it up and get up and let's go. You know, he's a boy. He should be able to handle getting a scrape. Um, you know, it's like all this stuff my mind is telling me that Damon is thinking. <laughs> um, even though my first instinct, you know, look, looking at it now, you know, was inner voice you know just support and you can it will help him you know um and if I just hadn't succumbed to all of that other stuff you know even though we did get through it you know you knew it, what to do Finley did calm down eventually um there's a, you know I'm still thinking about it today because of all the beanbag stuff yeah. But now you can go, oh my God, I did know what to do. That experience is precious, right? Yeah. Because you got to see what you did know what to do. And you got to see what happens when you don't follow what you knew what to do. Because if you never try the other way, you don't know how good the right way is. Because <laughs> yeah. you just do it. So you never know the alternative was worse. Sometimes taking the alternative that's worse helps you in wisdom know to follow the next time without questioning it. Yeah, because in questioning it, it's like that's its own kind of trauma. And it's actually your own kind of wisdom, right? Yeah. You only know that it's right because when you've tried other times that are wrong, it helps build that trust yeah. that it was right. Because otherwise, if you're always doing it, then there was no con – well, A, there's no contrast. And that's nothing wrong if you're just always doing it. But <laughs> there wouldn't be beanbags from not doing it right, <laughs> like from following the thing. But isn't that amazing? You know what I was thinking about the energy of your son as you describe your son. This isn't your son. I'm not like projecting onto your son, but feeling into the energy with which you share about him. I had this beautiful, I have two dogs growing up uh, like in my 20s. I had Franklin and Ellie. Mm -hmm. Franklin was a little purebred Westie and he was so sassy and he just kind of <laughs> knew he was, I was so nervous about not getting a puppy mill dog. I really overshot the like, <laughs> make sure they're not a puppy mill dog yeah. by getting like this like premier breeder that had like all re like sterling recommendations so that I just knew I was at least if I wanted a Westie, not like perpetuating something that wasn't, you know, yeah. great in the world. So I got this little Westie. He was amazing. My ex-husband still has him actually. Uh, so Franklin though was just such a little independent critter and he was perfect. He's perfect in every way. But then we rescued Ellie and I got her from 
or I adopted her from, I guess, a shelter. And I really wanted, I didn't know why, but I was like, I had this huge urge to get a dog instead of have a baby at that time. Mm -hmm. And I felt like such a rebel not having a baby, but getting a second dog. Because my mind was so limited back then. One dog, two kids, the white big fence, that's the right way. So I ended up having this dying, like compelling urge to go get another dog. And so I rescued Ellie. And Ellie was the sweetest dog. And especially to me, I think she kind of knew I I was the one that drove the, the adoption and she just was my little sticker. Yeah. She was just at my side at all times. And who knows what she had. I know that she had some trauma because she'd have some reactions to certain triggers that, you know, other dogs don't have. So obviously she had experiences she was reacting from, but she was a little bit jittery and a little bit scared in the beginning. And over time she found her way and she found her confidence and she blossomed. But your son kind of reminds me as a soul energy coming in a little bit shaky. Like Mm -hmm. he's been a little bit shocked, like a little bit like the heart though of that one. Franklin obviously is lovely, but (laughs) he's very final on his own. He he is he is who he is and he's great. There's nothing wrong with Franklin being that way, but Ellie was such a little love and there's so much love in my heart for Ellie and compassion for whatever she went through that made her that little jittery love bug that she was. And she didn't stay jittery, but obviously there's something about that kind of energy that's so beautiful but precious. It needs a lot of support like you were saying, your inner voice was saying, and it doesn't need the hard fist. <laughs> you know, it's like, if I was a hard fist to Ellie, that would have been more trauma for Ellie. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, you know, of course, doesn't even come from Damon. It just comes from, you know, growing up and, and seeing what the world says, you know, or what your parents did or didn't do. And, and I just kind of push that all together, wrap it up and stick it on Damon because he's right there, you know, and, and with Finley, I, you know, I've thought about a lot, his like sensitive nature and, um, you know, I mean, he's got so much of his dad in him as well, you know, my ex-husband, um, that I can see. And, but also when I was pregnant with him and I've thought about this, I had a lot of heartache um, during the pregnancy, um, a lot happened, you know, my dad had stomach cancer and he died a month before Finley was born. And, you know, that time it took him 10 days and, um, we were all there, you know, the whole time it's pretty much. And, um, Finley's dad was deployed. So he wasn't, he wasn't there. And, you know, that time, you know, I look back on it, as, as one of the most beautiful times, um, which is, is, I mean, I guess anybody that's experienced, you know, um, would probably understand, but also it's very sad. You know, I was very, I was very sad. And I remember just having my, you know, my big stomach, <laughs> you know, sitting there and kind of absorbing all of this, these feelings, you know, not just from me, but my mom, you know, everybody, we were all there. And kind of absorbing all of this, these feelings, you know, not just from me, but my mom, you know, everybody, we were all there Um, because my dad died in our living room. And I just think of what he, what Finley absorbed because he was almost there. I mean, he was like, 
pretty well developed, you know. Are you um, afraid that he he absorbed bad vibes or beautiful vibes? You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I think it's a little of both. You know, I it was a lot of emotion, um, but there was a lot of love. And gosh, I feel like with Finley... I feel like it could kind of just go either way. And like you said, maybe it's if I can support him, um, you know, he could, this could really just make him into this beautiful person. Um, yeah. Don't make him wrong. Yeah. You know, El- Ellie's not wrong. Franklin's not wrong. By the way, Franklin's certainly wonderful. <laughs> he just yeah. didn't have trauma like Ellie did. Right. So he had a different personality and, reality thereof because of what he experienced and his own nature. You know, the other dogs in his own puppy litter could have been anxious for all I know. I don't know. He was pretty calm and self-collected, which is great for him. There's nothing wrong with a kid that's super self-confident and, um, you know, hearty, (laughs) you know, and there's nothing wrong with nervous ones that are little love bugs that really get scared in the dark. Like there's nothing wrong with either one. It's just supporting each one and not validating that they are a problem. The way they need Right? It. Like a really outspoken yeah. female child is not wrong. And a really sensitive male child is not wrong. Yeah. No. And I think I, I know that deep down. You know, obviously, I guess we all know that. Yeah. But you're in Iowa. There's a lot of football. There is a lot of, <laughs> you know, you've, you've got a, a culture around you, maybe not in your immediate circle, but you're in a mass consciousness that can hold men to a, they should be this way degree. And I think actually for men and the world, it has been even more limiting than in the last 50 years for females. Obviously females over lifetimes, we wouldn't say that. But in the last 50 years, let's say the idea of working, getting educated and doing kind of things for yourself, but still being in touch with your emotions. It's like females at this moment in time, only recently, but they have uh, in a way like the ability to be strong and independent and empowered. And that's a good thing in our recent generations. And they have the ability to be sensitive and to go into themselves and these other ways where men haven't yet had that They're having it. It's occurring, but it's still in the earlier stages of the embracing of their feminine energy. Yeah. No, he's definitely in touch, you know, with his emotions. And I mean, in his own way, he is quite confident, Um, you know, I just, It's beautiful. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just glad that I. I can trust, you know, what my instincts are at this point or what they have been. Um, not, yeah, not to go hard and not to yeah. try to, to make him into somebody, I, you know, somebody that everybody thinks is a good boy or I don't know. I mean, 100%. he is a good boy. <laughs> it's not, I, I mean, nobody thinks he's not. He's very well behaved in public and all that stuff most of the time, um, you know, but. Yeah, it's interesting how society changes and tries to push that on people. I remember my dad is one of 
four children and he's the only boy. He has three sisters. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was young, my grandpa would say, you know, we were going to, I was going to hit him with a ham bone or a T-bone or some kind of steak, I think, um, every day just to make sure he was tough and not Uh like another sister. Right. Now my dad is like the toughest person you've ever met and he has nothing like his sister. So so I don't know if it was a like actual conditioning or if it was just the nature my dad had. No, I would say it's more my dad's nature. There's no disingenuousness about his Mm -hmm. strength in himself. But had he been like Finley, my grandfather was openly was saying as he was, you know, I was a kid, like I would not have allowed that kind of son to be mine. Yeah. Right. That's two generations ago. Yeah. That's grandpa to my dad than to me. Right. And then you've got Finley. So this is in recent times, it may not be your family's story, but I mean, my family's from Ohio, which is not that far away from Iowa. Well, I'm and, in Missouri, but I'm oh, almost sorry, in Missouri. Iowa. I'm making sorry. <laughs> I'm in the oh, north making, of Missouri. <laughs> oh, you are near Iowa. So like yeah, it's really close. pulling on this. Very close. I went right? to school very, in Iowa. <laughs> there you go. So there's a lot of like, you know, Midwest football, yeah. big, big farm boy kind of oh, yeah. energy. Oh, yeah. Right. And Guns. so Finley. Yes, exactly. So all of that for a little sensitive soul like Finley is it's beautiful that he's coming in now than when my dad was, a you know, a child mm-hmm. going into a parent like my grandfather. My grandfather's not a bad person. He was just pushing a lot of agendas and a lot of mass consciousness beliefs of his time. Yeah. No, he thought it was best or he thought it would be best yeah, for him. Yeah, he thought it would be best for my dad. He didn't want a fourth sister <laughs> to the, yeah. to the well, group. Well, it's funny. There's this uh, family that I know and they've got quite a few kids, like five kids and one boy, all all the rest are girls. And the boy is just a couple years older than Finley. And the husband came up to me one day and it's like, hey, you know, can Finley come over and play sometime? You know, my my kid needs to be toughened up. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Finley is not the one for that. <laughs> <laughs> Barking up the wrong tree. He's, he's, he's not going to provide that for you. <laughs> you Okay, so now when we think about the, the the idea of a tantrum and that idea of the energy of that EMS worker kind of scenario where you're just yeah. there to be in support, just like you did in Colorado yourself, just like you actually knew to do. Can you imagine that kind of scenario and responding in that supportive way to what he needs? Yeah, and then along with that, you know, having, I think, you know, the compassion for someone who doesn't know what to yeah, do. Yeah, leave him alone. Let him be. You know, just let him let him handle it the way they need to handle it and you know, I could ask for help if I need it. But yeah. You know, I like I said I just I didn't think of it that way at all. I was just kind of putting you know, of course who knows what he's really thinking, I guess, but that's kind of what came through was he doesn't know what to do. So. And that's true. That I'll was inner voice, you know, validate that that is a true understanding. Yeah. And he might have a mix of beliefs, right? Because even think about your husband. He was a, you know, he's still a soul coming into this reality. And he might have mm-hmm. been pushed into the tough world of being a man like my grandpa would have, you know, pushed. And so that could have been yeah. out of alignment for your husband. But he might have, let's say, taken it on out of the idea mm-hmm. of love, approval, perfectionism, mass consciousness, brainwashing of the humans around him. So it could be a really interesting conflict, even theoretically, in a man. What do I do with my child 
And especially I've even seen it. I'm not, I don't want to get too specific on the names and details of this, but I've seen I have a lot of male people. When I was growing up, I had seven male cousins, two male brothers. So I had a lot of and I didn't have little girls in my life, mm. except for my friends until my younger, younger cousins, youngest cousins were females, but it was all males around me my younger years. And I have seen different yeah. energies of those young men that I was around, the seven that I was around. And I could see the same kind of idea of trying to condition them to toughness and the horrible discomfort and stress that that put on those more sensitive males. It's not an easy, they're given the least options in our recent generations. Obviously, historically speaking, females were very, 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 very limited. But in the recent generations, the idea, this emancipation of women to education and work, it's not everywhere on the planet yet, but it's much more prevalent in a lot of the places where people are listening to the podcast, let's say. So they can, you know, go have the the idea of having, even just the idea of having your own business mm-hmm. and doing your own thing and being successful is becoming much, much more normalized for females. But this idea that you can still be seen as a successful male and be super in connection with your awareness and releasing and emotions and all this kind of stuff is just on the leading, even more leading edge for them to be able to feel safe enough to express that and not be rejected as successful men. It's amazing too. It's very exciting, right? Because when that shifts as a belief system, there's going to be so much freedom and emancipation from these stigmas and stereotypes for men. Yeah. No, yeah. Hopefully that happens sooner. (laughs) I know. I think that that even the LGBTQ plus community is huge in breaking down a lot of these walls and a lot of these stereotypes within what they're excited to express in their lives. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, it does break down the duality between masculine and feminine in part. You know, it's like breaking it all into little pieces and just saying, just be who you are, (laughs) be the energy you are, be the expression you want to be, change your name if you want to change your name, change your sex if you want to change your sex, like just be you like it's a really liberating time mm-hmm. for those that feel not controlled it's much harder when people feel controlled by other people pushing on them yeah. and that you know and you had we started off saying that you even you're not trying to control his personality trying to control his fear out of your own desire to be a great mom or be seen as a great mom by your husband isn't as supportive, like your inner voice was saying. So it's like, wow, what a relief. What a relief that you don't have to fix your son. You could just be there and support. You already always knew what to do. And you can go back to that naturalness in your life. And you don't have to worry about your husband. He just doesn't know what to do. Yeah. No, that is, it's very freeing, I guess, that feeling of just like, (sighs) you know, just, it's okay. Just, you know, support and be there, be that, yeah, that rock solid bottom. Yeah. Say, take as long as you need, little one, you know, like do your thing. I'm here for you. Your courage is going to be strong. That's why you picked me and I'm here to support that. There's nothing wrong with you as you figure that out. Yeah. I'm not worried for you. That is a huge one. When the child knows the parent's not worried for them genuinely, that is a, yeah. a very interesting, deep level of support. Yeah. No, and that would I felt that from lot. my father so much. He was never worried. 
Yeah, right. My dad yeah. would be like, you could be president. You're going to buy me a boat one day. <laughs> it was like, but he mm-hmm. believed it. He wasn't saying it because it sounded like a great parenting technique. He believed it. Like he really felt it. And I knew that he was telling me what he believed to be true. And that was incredibly empowering. I never felt disempowered as a female my whole life because I always had a dad that was telling me I could do, I was going to be president one day. And he wasn't telling my brothers because he didn't think they would be president one day. He was saying it not because I was female, but because he thought I could do it. Now, and that is an interesting, you know, because I think in my mind, I had been thinking, you know, worry equals love. Like, um, if you're not worried for your kid or you're not worried for people you love, then are you, you know, but I guess in my experience, you know, like you say with your parents and my parents, you know, them trusting me and believing that I could do what I wanted um, and be successful was the most important thing. It wasn't when they were worried, (laughs) you know, I didn't, I felt really loved knowing that they trusted me, trusted that I had the capability. Imagine them loving you when you made a mistake. That's love, right? Letting you go make a mistake and still loving you even after you made a mistake, even after you got in a car accident and crashed the car, the family's car, or even after you stayed out too late and got drunk and like you had a huge hangover and you were 16. Imagine those kinds of scenarios that kids go through and still being loved. It's not about approved of or saying this was a good thing that they did, but not judging them and not condemning them and not withholding love or approval for them as a soul. Mm. Yeah. That's not, that is, that is love. That is not uh, controlling. That is not judgment. That is not being the warden and the jailkeeper of your dog, basically your pet. Mm. Like it is letting a human experience their reality it, it doesn't mean that they you need to encourage them to go do those things. But if they do them and there is still love when there is a failure of some kind that the mind assumes is a failure, there's no failure to the inner voice. But that's actually love. Yeah. Yeah. And just that alone could probably be that solid ground. Yes. That's on the parent level, right? It's just love. It doesn't mean you accept toxic behavior. It doesn't mean you accept, you know, kleptomania from your kids or something like that. It doesn't mean that you get walked on as a parent. Does that make sense? I'm not saying like, okay, let your kids do anything they want to you and, you know, whatever. Like this isn't about be having no boundaries as a human being, but it is about like when you see your children grow and learn and explore and struggle and fall, like when he fell in the woods and not making it wrong. Loving him. Yeah, and taking, I guess, taking the time. You know, I I think in the back of my mind, I think of that as particular instance, you know, it's like, you know, thinking about how much time it's going to take to get him back to the car. Um, and wondering, like I said, thinking about Damon and thinking about what maybe my parents would say, like, you know, you shouldn't, it's you shouldn't let him be that much of an inconvenience. Um, But as I connected, you know, I've got that beanbag released, you know, it's like, you know, does it have to be an inconvenience? You know, this is life. And I was in Colorado. It's not like I'm in a terrible place, you know, to sit with him. 
And and that is that is what I'm here to do, is be his mom. So getting back to the car in five minutes, you know, isn't super important. We didn't, we were on vacation. (laughs) It's not like we had somewhere to be. (laughs) Um, But at the time, you know, like I said, I was doing what I, my instinct said, but I had all these thoughts of, you know, how I was getting docked points almost every minute we were sitting there, (laughs) um, which was very stressful. Um, And I'm sure it wasn't helping because I'm sure he could feel that too. So. Yeah, you were going into the Google of your mind, searching yeah. the archives for all the, the parenting advice, tips, experiences you've ever had and projecting that because the mind was trying to do the parenting versus your inner voice, which knew instantly what was needed. Yeah, no, that is exactly <laughs> the Googling, you know. Like Google, Google parents in parents, my you parents' know. parenting tactics, Google <laughs> my husband's parenting tactics, Google mass consciousness's parenting tactics, Google Bella Lively. What would she say? Yeah. No, it's about going into yourself and knowing that this other part of you, not your mind, but the wisdom of you, did know what to do. And that that part of you is there in that deep connection and in that, you know, hand in hand with your son and why they came in together was to do this together. And your yeah. mind, thank God, doesn't have to control it. Yeah. What a relief. You know, because like thinking about, you know, the Googling thing and what my mind was coming up with, a lot of it is contradicting itself. You know, there's this advice from this person and this advice from this blog and this advice over here. And <laughs> and even if I can pull it all up, I, what do I choose? Because there's different, everybody's got different ideas. And it can be very overwhelming. It is, and it's very mental. <laughs> it's all just a bunch of beliefs. Some yeah. of them were probably coming from their intuition in their scenarios, and they could have been right for their scenarios, and someone else could have been coming from their intuition in their scenario, and it's conflicting. So some of them are mental belief systems, and some of them could be authentic inner voice connection wisdom, but they were right for their scenarios and not necessarily right for your scenario. Like You don't actually have to go to anyone else for the right thing in your scenario. Isn't that amazing? Like, that's amazing. You don't yeah. have to learn by Google in your mind. You can actually go into your <laughs> wisdom and just find out what to do. The actual, even let's say for business, for mm-hmm. example, there is this tendency in the mind to go Googling for everybody else's success in business and try to replicate other people's success. But the most change-worthy, successful people that change a generation or a lifetime, especially in business, are not doing it like other people. They're doing it in a groundbreaking way. Groundbreaking because it's new. It's different. It's coming from within themselves. It's not coming from a repetition of somebody else. And so that is seen, like the genius of art, of science, of business of anything isn't coming from Googling everybody else's answers. It's about going within and pulling through from the other side of the veil, so to speak, this this other part that you're tapping into and bringing mm. it here. But it even is used in the day-to-day things like what you should eat, how you should move, where you should live, how to parent your child. It's not just the groundbreaking, life-changing advancements of humanity. It is that also, 
but it is also on the mundane skills that we have as well. There doesn't need to be somebody else to answer you how to raise your child. Your soul didn't come to parent like someone else. It came to have a supportive experience with the little soul that wanted to develop more courage, which is your son. Yeah. Mm. No, that does feel feel good. You know, like I'm on his I'm on a journey yeah. with him. And you're there to support him and not make him wrong. Yeah. And that not making him wrong. I think in a way my dad did that with me, right? He didn't make me wrong. He just yeah. You know, and I didn't, I don't think he would have said I could have been president if he didn't think I was capable of it. Like, I think that just is what he saw and what he felt. I'm not saying that every kid needs to be president. I certainly don't want to be president, by the way. So it was just sweet that he, you know, kind of thought I was yeah. capable of something like that is kind of nice. But the, the ability of just really, you know, seeing him and honoring who he is, you know, let's say he's really creative and you just really know he actually is creative. <laughs> You're just like... You're doing great with that. Yeah. No, and that's, yeah, that's the kind of mom I want to be. I mean, my mom was like that with us. You know, she didn't have any expectations, really. It was just trying to encourage us along whatever, you know, we were talented at or whatever we enjoyed, pretty much. You know, she didn't force us to do very many things. And I, I definitely knew I wanted to to be like that with my kids. Um. But it is hard. <laughs> of course, of course. If if you let, like, you know, all of your, you know, I had that with my mom, but I know there's plenty of people that didn't have that. And, and I've just kind of absorbed all these things, you know, along the way. And, and Finley's just very different than any of us were, you know, any of me and my siblings. Very um, special. Very special being just like a unique expression that's not exactly reductive of anything else, but then not trying to fit him in a different type of shoe. You know, a unique shaped foot doesn't need the average shoe. I think that more and more, especially with kids in different neural, um, what they call it, like expressions, like some kids are coming in with a faster mm -hmm. brain cycling. And it's like, yeah, because like we're advancing. <laughs> they don't want to go slow like the old people did in the olden times. You know, we're moving at a faster pace, but people will make that wrong. Instead of saying, oh, how can I support my child yeah. in the fast brain that he has? Not to fight the flow, but how do we work with the flow in a way that supports this child? Mm, you know, that's, uh, yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah, there's so but you're things. in the groundbreaking <laughs> part of it and where it says, we're going to let the child be right. We're not going to make the child wrong. Not every opinion they have, but just like their expression in this reality is not wrong. And it's nice that I don't have to, um, I guess, prove it. I don't know what the, you know, when we kind of went in or when I went in even this week to, it's like my inner voice says something. The nice thing about it for me is that that feeling of, okay, I don't have to like write a big, you know, essay on why this works or why this is right or, you know, really explain you know, this and this and this and this statistic or that. And I can be, I can rest in knowing that for my case, and my inner voice said this, and I can just go with it. Um, that, that's, yeah, that's very freeing, I guess. Amen. <laughs> I feel 
<laughs> like that, that was a beautiful summary of, I think, what we've accomplished today. And I say accomplished, but like what we've uncovered is that underneath those beanbags, that truth was there shining forth. Yeah. So bravo for finding it, Jennifer, in yourself. Not for me. You found that in you after you released like four beanbags. Well, thank you for helping me. <laughs> of course. Of course. My big job is like, Jennifer, what upsets you? Where do you feel it? How is it feeling yeah. as you release it? <laughs> that's my job. I'm not really here to do any more than that. And that's what I love about this work is it's showing you're the sovereign creator of your own reality and you have untold wisdom, unlimited wisdom inside of you. But the understanding also and the compassion of understanding there's beanbags that make that clarity sometimes hard to access. Not that it's not there. It's just sometimes hard to find, like a road closure. <laughs> right mm -hmm. now, there's a lot of train strikes in London. Yeah. So Ella, for example, our manager trying to come into the city to see me once a week for a meeting isn't always the easiest because of the train strikes. It doesn't mean London doesn't exist from Northampton where she's coming from. It just means sometimes it's not the easiest to access, but both places are there. It's just sometimes the road to getting there, the train tracks to getting there are slower than others. But once the beanbags are out, of the way. You immediately saw it. Yeah. And how cool that you know now that you understand what your husband's actually doing, which isn't shutting down. <laughs> he just doesn't know what to do. He's going blank. Like he doesn't have the answer for this. Yeah. No, I mean, it's much better than, you know, him being super <laughs> angry, like so angry, he can't even speak, you know. <laughs> um, of course. I just, of yeah. course. It's so, you know, men how and beautiful. women are so different and and I feel like, yeah, that's kind of where I was going with his facial expressions and, you know, worst case scenario, yeah. I guess. Exactly. Well, if you feel like ever sharing that with him, you obviously could do that if you feel called to. But of course, your inner voice will guide you if that is or isn't and when is or isn't the right time to share that. But it might be something you could even later when you feel called to it, open up about. Yeah. Thank you, Jennifer, so much for coming on the show. I'm very curious to see what we have to uncover next time. Yeah, thank you so much.